Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective Podcast. Uh, my guest this week is my good friend, Michael Farnham. So, Michael, if you could uh, introduce yourself, give a little bit of uh, your you know, background, what you, where you're at, what you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, so, Michael Farnham, currently CTO with a cybersecurity integrator and reseller in Houston, Texas called Set Solutions. Also a co-founder and organizer generally of HUSETCon, the Houston Security Conference down here in Houston that just uh, just had one a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, been in security, I don't know, since uh, full-time since 99, off and on since kind of IT and security since 94. Um, and I've done various and sundry things, security administrator, security manager, um, pre-sales, architect, engineer, uh, practice principal, consultant, kind of a pen tester dude for a little bit, all kinds of stuff. So just, just been around, you, you know, a lot of that background, you and I've worked together. So we have worked together and, and, and as you're, as you're, as you're breaking down the, you know, full time since XYZ and off and on since blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm thinking, wow, you're old. <laughs> You keep talking, buddy. <laughs> think uh, I'm right there close. with you. Right there yeah. with you. Um, yeah. Well, so uh, let's uh, start off with uh, uh, some stuff about cloud. You had posted the thing on on LinkedIn the other day, which I thought was kind of funny, where you you know just rattled off I don't know ten ten different uh, acronyms that all start with C and asked if anyone could. Uh, to tell you what they were without looking it up. And, you know, my simple answer was no. I could tell you that, uh, you know, one of those C's was cloud in every one of them. Uh, other than that, uh, no. Um, so I, I, I guess I would ask you to kind of go into a little bit of like why, what, what drove you to post that and like what's the, what's the scenario look like out there in cloud world? So... The reason I posted it is just doing a little bit of research, trying to get in my own brain for internal work reasons on how to categorize um, different product vendors. So I've also posted things about um, the crossover that uh, so many products have nowadays, so many uh, companies have that are doing security products, and they all tend to start covering a bunch of different areas of security. And one of our you know, companies that we all have to deal with out there is an analyst organization called Gartner. I think most people on here probably know who they are. Uh, Tony and I have both had dealings with them in past lives. And this not to, to bash Gartner. They're doing what they can do to kind of categorize the different areas, how whatever they're analyzing. So what they do is create fancy acronyms to try to sum up certain categories. And what they've done over the years uh, in a lot of areas, but also in cloud, is they've created thing created um, acronyms like CASB, you know, Cloud Access Security Bro Broker. They've created ones like um, CIEM, which gets really confusing when you try to search for it in Google because it always asks if you're looking for SIEM, which we all know that is. But um, Cloud Identity and Enablement Manager, I think it's CEIM sometimes. Uh, and then there's Cloud Security um, 
posture assessments, CSPS or something. There's you know, just all those different acronyms. And what they've ended up doing is creating kind of a holistic catch-all. I think it's C-N-A-P-P. It's like cloud-enabled something, something. Even I can't remember. And I was doing the, doing the research. And it's basically the reason I was looking at that is, is I was trying to put all those in my head and figure out where one stopped and the other started. It just keeps going back to this. Uh, they've got to have a catch-all because all of these different security vendors in the cloud are they may start with something like infrastructure as code scanning and then then they'll go to container scanning and then they'll go to actually cloud security posture management which is the CSPM where they're looking at how your cloud is configured to make sure you don't have any security holes so they're they're basically just all starting to uh, come together and it's you know it's i try to drive conversations with the customer based on what their needs are but i also have to have in my brain what some of those controls are can be that they can get they can put in and who covers what from a product standpoint and uh, that was just kind of the the basis of my research so when i saw all of those acronyms i knew they were all there but I had not seen them all in one place when I was doing the research before. And it was just like, okay, let's see if anybody knows. And nobody really took the bait. I, you know, everybody knew the C was cloud, but everybody else was kind of like, all right, Farnham, we get your point. It's, it's a mess. So, well, I don't know if this is, if this is the reason or part of the reason, but one of the things, and, and also not to bash on Gartner per se, but when, when, when analyst firms, Gartner, Forrester, whoever, when they create a segment, you know, like out of, you know, they just, you know, they decide, hey, you know what, the, we we don't have a report for this thing called MDR. We're going to make a mm-hmm. report, you know, we're going to call it MDR. And whoever the analyst is, then has to like come up with like, okay, well, what are the defining factors what are the criteria what am i measuring this on and in essence they they they, they paint themselves into a corner um and, and the vendors too and, and i and i've encountered this in the in, in you know in the past working as a freelancer with organizations like uh webroot at one point or mm-hmm. silence in the early days where they were doing I mean, you know, Webroot had transitioned. They, they they were more traditional, pure malware, anti-malware. You know, like right on par with, you know, Semantic and McAfee and Trend Micro, et cetera. Yeah. And then they switched. And I don't remember the, uh, I can't remember offhand the, the off the top of my head the name of the company they bought. But they bought this company. They kept the name Webroot, but they basically switched everything to the new company model, and it totally changed the way they analyzed the threat. And the net result was that Webroot was as effective or better than these competing products. Mm. However, it no longer had signatures and it no longer, like all of the things that they were actually measuring on from like a, a, a virus, uh, antivirus perspective, they didn't meet. And the same thing with Silence. You know, Silence was doing, was doing those things. It was able to detect and stop, you know, threats you know, similar to a, a McAfee or a semantic, but it didn't do it in the same way. And then yeah. 
and, and so then, you know, they end up getting like not not included in the report or they get downgraded because they'll say, well, they did great. They, they, they blocked 100 percent of the threats. However, uh, we had to knock them down because they didn't have signatures. And it's, <laughs> it's like, all right, well, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we ran into that very thing at uh, our uh, previous employer where we were before. I, if you want to mention them or not, I, I won't. I, I, I mention Alert Logic all the time. I have no problem with that. Okay, so so yeah, you and I were both at Alert Logic, and one of the one of the uh, gigs that I had there was uh, analyst relations, and not not fully one hundred percent on uh, analyst relations. I was part of the the marketing technical marketing team, you know, that we were both on that I worked on that, and. It, Case in point, they uh, wanted to get included in the IPS segment, and there were certain little things that they didn't have that would put them above it. Or they had to meet a certain, like for the WAF side of things, they had to meet a certain threshold of revenue or whatever. And if they didn't match that, it it didn't work. So, But in general, to our point, it, it was more about a technical little point. I would argue that... Um, Alert Logic had a pretty effective, depending on who you were, a pretty effective IPS, and uh, it, they couldn't get included because they were they weren't. But that these companies focus so much of their effort on getting on that magic quadrant, or you know, not just the magic quadrant, just the quadrant itself, um, that uh, they they tend to get driven a certain way and it, it right. can stop innovation. And, well, but that, that's the whole thing is they're behind the times sometimes with companies right. who are just like, I don't care. I'm just going to innovate. Right. And, and again, you know, like I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan per se, but I'm also not trying to bash on, on Gartner and Forrester, but it is in those cases, there is a, 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 a tail wags the dog element to it of, you yep. know, you're, you're a young company. You want to, be taken seriously you want to be on that uh on that quadrant or in that wave or in that report you 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 want your name in there and so you end up introducing features into your software that have no purpose <laughs> they it doesn't really do anything your software doesn't need it but it's like well they said we have to have signatures and it's like well what's in your signature i don't know we just you know we yeah <laughs> we, we have got it no, I think I think there's more and more you're seeing companies who are just innovating and waiting for Gartner to catch up to them, and they don't have to be on that. I know a couple of CISOs that won't do anything without Gartner saying it's it's good. Um, they don't. They that, that is like ninety five percent of their decision making. Probably not, I shouldn't say that. It's not. It's it's a lot of their decision making on whether they're going to go with somebody. Um, I. I will say a funny anecdote is that uh, one of my customers um, was looking for a particular type of vendor and uh, they printed out, they, they're a Gartner customer, they printed out the, the paper on this particular segment and one of the vendors that we were just astounded that they weren't looking at in this space, we were like, why aren't you looking? They're like, we don't know who they are. They're not on the Gartner report. And we went I went online, looked at the same report they were looking at. I was like, they're right there. And he was like, wait a minute. He had printed the report out on PDF and that company had got caught in the page break between the two printouts. So they never considered them. So it's just kind of a funny anecdote, but, but it, I mean, it kind of brings up a point. It's like, if that's what they're focused on. And, and I think vendors just have to these days be like, look, I, I'm just, 
I'm going to have to wait for them to catch up and just market some other way. And if they go and make me, and in one way Gartner, I think is catching up a little bit as they do this whole cool vendors thing. And that, that puts some of those vendors who are innovating out there in the limelight and they get to put something on their site. And I think that's, that's a good idea of Gartner to do that. Um, but their analysts that have been there a long time don't don't think in those ways. Well, so. and I think, so, you know, again, I, 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 I respect the fact that as a, you know, when an analyst goes to create one of these things, they've got to come mm-hmm. up with criteria. They've got to. Yeah. You know, and how so else do you do it? Right. So they come up with whatever the criteria is that they think is relevant in, mm-hmm. in the moment. And. You know, and going back to your 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 cloud acronym example. Maybe they, you know, based on what they know in that moment, they give it some cool name and they say, hey, we're going to call it this. And the problem is that that represents a moment in time. And the report is, uh, you know, typically a perpetual thing. You know, it's an annual, hey, now we're going to do you know, the next year, the next year. So new companies keep coming along. And you know the technology, the, the technology landscape expands. New companies enter the market. Things are done a different way, and a lot of times the analyst is kind of stubbornly stuck in like, well, no, these are the criteria that that we establish for this, and it's like, well, okay, well, you need to change. You you need to be more flexible about your criteria, and maybe be a little bit broader. Like going back to my endpoint, uh, my antivirus. Uh, example um i had said to someone at gartner uh, or not it wasn't gartner it was a uh, it was whoever was doing the virus like was the virus total i don't know whoever someone was doing these virus antivirus rankings was it and ss labs yeah. back then when they were still around? i mean this is many years ago i'm, I'm old um <laughs> uh but i had told them i said i said i think you need to get out of the mindset of you know, we're measuring antivirus products and switch to, you know, we're measuring endpoint protection or switch to we're measuring, you know, like you need to come up with another way of looking at how effective is this at stopping this threat or these, the, the, these, this yeah. class of threats without being so prescriptive about how it's done. You know, it's like ult- ultimately, if you're the customer of Gartner, you know, you're the customer of that report and you're, and you're looking at that report to try to make a determination, like you don't actually care about signature files or not signature files or, you know, the, 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 the nuts and bolts of how it does it are not generally as relevant as just does it do it well? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's kind of the nature of analyst firms is they have to, they have to put that stuff together. I think they're starting to pivot a tad. I do agree that there are certain analysts there that do not want to. I mean, they've been there forever. They don't. They want don't want to change their ways. It, it's really hard. And I I dealt with a couple of them when I was over to Alert Logic. Um, they they don't want to see things differently. They've got their criteria, and they're not going to move. I think some of those firms moving a little bit faster with the things like cool vendor and that kind of stuff but it's in defense of the analyst i would say i imagine they also get just 
flooded with those requests. Oh. Just just oh, yeah. inundated, overwhelmed with every vendor in the world coming to them and saying, yeah, but if you would just change your criteria to, you know, oh, and, yeah. and obviously they can't. The same request. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. We said the same thing to them. That didn't really, you know, if you would just tweak that thing. Right. Oh, no. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, they get it all the time. I, well, I, I can know. see where they, at some point, you know, it's like, it ends up coming off as sort of like a, a hubris, like, like I know this industry better than any of you could possibly imagine. And, you know, and, and what I say is the, is, is the ultimate arbiter of <laughs> what mm. is, you know, that's how it comes across sometimes, but it, it, I think it, there's more behind it, how you get there, which is, yeah, I've, I've answered a thousand vendors telling me how to try to measure my own criteria. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I mean, being a previous uh, practitioner, sometimes they, they, you know, they, it, when I look at them, I feel like they've got a little bit of that ivory tower mentality and they're, they're not actually a practitioner and haven't been for years and years and years, but they do talk to a lot of people um, who are practitioners. That's how they get their information. And so they're, they're informed. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, it's it's the nature of the beast a little bit. It's never going to be proactive. It's always going to be reactive. <clears throat> That's just the nature of it. So we learn to work within the system a little bit and then, you know, condemn it when we have to and say it's BS when we have to and then realize that it's still got value for a lot of people. So. Right. Well, all right. So all of that is slightly off of, you know, where you started, which was just really just yeah, a little bit. them yeah. coming up with the naming of these different categories. And it's like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a similar vein, but... um. But yeah, it's like, you know, once they name it, the problem is the technology in the world keep evolving and changing and shifting. Yeah. And like they might say, oh, well, we're going to call it this. But then, you know, along come, you know, containers and container orchestration. And it's like, OK, well, you either, you know, do we, do we figure out how to incorporate that into this thing that we already named? Or do we come up with a new name that loops them all in? Or do we give it its own separate thing? Yep. And that's, that's what's happening right now. It's, it's, there's so many that are doing so many different things and you, you see that in uh, cloud, you see that in like the acronym SASE, which started out as, you know, cloud, which was kind of CASB and then it, different things started. And then they finally just said all these things kind of need to come together and companies are starting to do that. So I think it's, it's a different consolidation world than it was you know, five plus years ago and where you see instead of companies that have a point product or maybe two products going out and buying another company that has that and, you know, buying up their customer base, getting their technology to make theirs better or whatever. What you see is a company that is doing A and then goes by, goes and buys three companies that do B, C and D that are somehow related to each other and they put it all together and um, that's that's very much happening in the cloud space. It, it's um, the ones that are checking for the, pot, the security posture, the ones that are uh, doing infrastructure as a code testing, which is fairly new, the ones that are doing um, uh, identity and access management, uh, they have, which was, you know, kind of all on-prem stuff now is they've all pivoted to the cloud and then they're starting to go absorb pieces of those other companies um so it's it's just it's i think it's a the same thing that's happening all over the industry 
in a lot of different ways. That's why XDR came out. You mentioned XDR earlier um, because it was EDR, it was MDR. Now, you know, Anton Chivakin goes out and has the three-legged stool, which has turned into the octopus or whatever it is now because you have to have all these different pieces that are going into it. Those companies are all buying each other, and it's all the different factors that come into how you know what's going on in your environment. So I don't know if I'm making a, a great point here or not. I just know it's it from a cloud perspective, it's it's all the same. And it's just a matter of who do you go to as always? Do you buy best of breed or do you do something else? You know what I mean? Well, I was going to say that I, I, I think that that is kind of where where this becomes uh, more relevant uh, to a customer, to a company is you know you might look and say okay well you know i i i want all of these things so i want you know identity and, and access management i want you know, you know uh security posture you know I, like all these different things but you almost have to make like a, a, a an excel spreadsheet and check off boxes to try to see well where's the overlap because if you have one that does these four and one that does these three and you're like okay well do i want to pay for both of those things or do I have mm-hmm. to go out of my way to try to find ones that don't overlap so I'm not wasting money paying for something that oh. I don't need? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, even in things like with our uh, vendor partners where we're trying to figure out who we want to partner with for um, for marketing an event or something. So let's say we had a golf tournament a few weeks ago and we had, I don't know, 20, well, I guess it would be 18 vendors because we had 18 holes and there was a sponsor for each hole. So we didn't care if there was overlap within those organizations, if they kind of competed with each other. It's the same thing when I run HUSECCON. I, I've got competing vendors all over that floor, but I just try not to put them next to each other so there's not like a you know cage fight or something. But if I've got an event that's got two sponsors, our marketing person, uh, she always has to ask me, do these companies compete? And... Even two years ago, it was quite easy for me to go, no, they don't, or yes, they do. Now I go, I, almost all the time I have to go, eh, kind of. They've got, you know, they overlap here. Right. And and to your point, is if you're a, a CISO or security director or something, and you're trying to decide between those, um, you, you have to look at it going, okay, I could buy this company that does five things, but these two uh, these two pieces that I could get from them, aren't really that good. It's not even a matter of just being best of breed. They're just not good. They're not mature yet. So I should go buy those two, but in two years they could be mature. So do I then chop those other two? I'll put that back on. You know what I mean? It's, it's not an easy decision to make. And that's part of what we do is uh, at set solutions is try to help them with that, but it's, it's not an easy, easy job these days. Yeah. Well, it's funny too. Like uh, when we were at alert logic, um, people would uh, you know sometimes come to me and be like, "All right, so you know, who 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 do you compete with?" And I was always like, "That's felt like a loaded question." Because I'm like, Alert Logic did so many things in so many ways that it was hard to it was hard to say. Um, you know, we competed with yeah. a lot of companies depending on how you looked at it. And you know, one one of the things uh, that is related but not directly. That I think is interesting too is when I was at, uh, or after I left Tenable, they had hired uh, this new CMO, and I'm not going to name her because I don't like her. Um, 
this is your podcast, brother. <laughs> uh, but uh, she was part of this, uh, you know, play bigger uh, for, uh, foundation, mm-hmm. and, and and I've got the book, you know, and and the, the whole concept was basically, well, if everyone is competing in vulnerability management, instead of trying to tell everyone why you're a better vulnerability management option, figure out some new, make, create a whole new category where you're the only one. And, you know, and they did that at Tenable. They created cyber exposure. They're like, oh, well, we're not, we're, we're not competing with Rapid7 and Qualys in vulnerability management anymore. Uh, we're, we're cyber exposure. And as such, we're the best company at cyber exposure. We're the... <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of uh, yeah, yeah. like uh, it, it's always driven me crazy that uh, and and more companies do this now, but it's driven me crazy for years that Lexus would come out with a a commercial and they'd be like, "It's the first ever Lexus E5," and I'm like, "Nobody else can make a fucking Lexus E5. You're Lexus." <laughs> <laughs> like you're saying that like that's a like it's a, an achievement. Like you beat everyone. It's an else. amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just well in that. That's just complete bs and the other ones is kind of bs but you're just I, I see it all the time too so we've got all these companies that i don't want to fall in that category so i'm just gonna call myself something else but it's it's exactly the same thing um we the same companies like uh, breach and attack simulation um like so your your veritans and your attack iqs and safe breaches and simulate all that stuff um there was one i can't remember which one it was that just we're not going to call ourselves breach and attack simulation. I can't remember what they were calling it, but it was, it wasn't breach and attack simulation. And it's like, you know, I, I have all these friends that hate acronyms like uh, uh, Gillis Jones. I think, you know, Gillis, if he hears this, he'll crack up because I've been talking to him on a Twitter thing the other day and I always make fun of him because he hates the uh, term IOT or internet of things. And I'm like, well, I was like, you can hate it all you want, but it quickly and succinctly summarizes what the issue is. And I those things are effective. Um, so I, I generally don't have a, a problem with those things, but when you go out and you call it completely something else, just, and you say you're creating a new category, you're not creating a new category. You're just renaming it and creating your own marketing materials around it. And what you're going to do is end up confusing everybody who generally goes out and listens to what Gartner calls things. I mean, it just, that's fact of the matter. So actually goes back to the, the presentation that I did a few years back at uh, Houston Security Conference was on the marketing buzzwords. And, and mm-hmm. last year at RSA, I went out of my way to kind of do a informal study of walking the floor and, and trying to like catalog, well, what are the buzzwords that are being used? And I yeah. did it. So that as a freelance writer, I could, when, you know, when working with a vendor, I could say, okay, well, here's these buzzwords. I'm taking these out of your vocabulary. I need you to tell me what you do without using any of these words. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, like we, you, you should be able to convey yeah. what you do clearly. And it can, and you can't do it if you're using the same word as a hundred other companies, but you're all using it differently. Mm-hmm. That said, and to, to you know, your Gillis Jones point, that said, I, I, I followed it up with now when we actually write something, when we put content marketing out there, we will still include the buzzwords because they're 
their table stakes. They get they get you into the conversation. If every other company in in your arena is saying machine learning and you don't uh, out of like because you're standing on principle and you're going to say, well, no, we're not going to say that. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, you, you're eliminating yourself from the conversation because unfortunately the customer is looking at it going, well, shit, everyone's got machine learning, but that guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, you, you have is. to use the buzzwords, but you also have to be able to clearly explain what you do without the buzzwords. Yeah. It's, it's a reality of the situation. I 100% agree though. You, you, it, because if you can't do it without the buzzwords, then I wonder if you even know. If you have, you have anything. Um, all right. So the the kind of last thing I wanted to kind of wrap up with, which we you know we talked a little bit about earlier, was just uh, you know we, let's spend a couple minutes uh, bashing is a strong word, but let's 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 talk about Microsoft. Um, you know earlier you're going to give me six minutes to yeah. talk about Microsoft. <laughs> Earlier this week, they released a you know, quote-unquote research uh, report, um, basically saying that Nobelium, which was the group that was behind SolarWinds, uh, mm. is active again. And so that got traction about, oh, you know, Russia, Russia is you know doing their thing, challenging Biden. I looked at the report, and my takeaway was, so you're saying you got compromised. And, you know, basically I looked at it because it, it was written as if, it was research. It was written as if, hey, we've done this, we've done this threat research and this is what we found. But when you read through it, they say things like, you know, so we reached out to our affected customers and we're working with our customers to 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 fix this and 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 in their little diagram of how the attack chain works, it goes like from here to Azure Cloud to Azure AD. And I'm like, all right, so what you're really saying is you you got owned. Hmm. Which is problematic on two fronts. Number one. Because your Microsoft and your you know operating system and cloud platform and and productivity suites and you know, everything you do pretty much is ubiquitous around the world and and you know it 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 is a huge attack vector um, and the other is just that we already knew about Nobelium like we knew about them after SolarWinds so how how did you let them get you again <laughs> and 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 if and if you can't protect against like known threats, you know, from from you know things like Nobelium, mm. and defend your own products, then what kind of audacity does it take to go out and try to sell customer security products? It, yeah, we talked about it before. I come at it from two fronts. Idealistically, I have a problem buying Microsoft security products, and I will tell my customers that because they are creating the problem and then creating products to solve the problem without going and uh, which leads to my second point without actually taking those resources they, they that they're using to build security products they could take those resources and go back and use them to help secure their products i know it's not easy trying to secure things that have been around for you know, 25 plus years that you have to have certain support things in, in certain ways to, because of old ways that are still there. I mean, they're, they're, I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, that's a, that's not even trying to turn a ship in the night, you know, that and not hit the iceberg. That's like every ship lined up trying to turn It's just, I don't know. I don't even have a metaphor that would fit it. I get it. They're all over the place, but I still, have an idealistic problem. The issue is, is that I, 
I've got literally got customers whose CFO has completely gone over the head of their CISO and CIO and said, we will not buy X, Y, or Z third-party product because Microsoft has a product that covers that and it's good enough and that's all you're going to spend money on. And literally said, you can have those products if you want, as long as they don't invoice them for us, or invoice us for them. And it's like, oh, okay, so we they have to give us those products for free and we can still have them. That makes no sense. So that that is what, and, and do they have a couple of products that are pretty effective? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say their Defender products a heck of a lot better than it used to be. Um, there, you know, there's some other stuff out there that they have that's, that's pretty strong, but it, and you know, and it's hard to go to a CFO and make an idealistic argument. I mean, it's all about the business, even the business in general. I mean, I get it, but. Well, and like you said, it, it, if you, if you've already been basically coerced into the E5 license because you need these other pieces and Microsoft says, well, as a function of this license, we've coerced you into buying we're giving you these, you know, these security products. Yeah. It is hard to make the case for going back and saying, okay, well, I need additional money because, you know, really their is. product is only okay. And only okay is not good enough. <laughs> what it's going to take is a two or three year cycle where either they're going to make those products better or they're going to do what they've always done and they're going to reach to a certain point and they're going to stop and they're going to, uh, only have so many features and then people will get owned because of those gaps. And then somebody else will come back and make a marketing spill and say, Hey, if you, and they already, there already are out there on the email and stuff like that. This it's not enough. Go buy this email product and find what Microsoft doesn't do. I mean, we've, we've been there for a long time. Um, and I do have to jump Tony. Yeah, so I want to say HUSECCON October 20 or October uh, hold on. 20th and 21st of 2022 are the dates. So everybody's heard it here first. This is the first time I've announced that. I haven't even put it out on social media yet. So I'll include a link uh, when I publish this and, uh, you know, make sure we you know, get, get, get people to get that on their calendars uh, a, a year in advance. And we will start selling tickets early, too. So we we'll, we will uh, we'll have that start not too long. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. Sorry to jump off so fast, man. But no worries. Duty calls. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Let me know if you love it. Let me know if it sucks. And uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.